0: good morning everyone and after a small brief minor itty bitty hiatus i have returned so it is good to be with you all again as gabby tries to pull the curtains off the thing in the living room right off the bat and please don't do that thank you very much i don't want curtains off all on the table and on the floor now let's get started with today's podcast as we finish off what was supposed to be the last day of last week's uh um, thing, we're on uh, lesson 3 of the book of uh, Genesis, this would be day 15 of our study on uh, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and with that, we're going to be doing some further explanation into the Word of God, uh, some cross-referencing where we look at other Bible passages that are related to the chapter that we have been studying, studying which most specifically, right now, has been Genesis 2 for this past week. And so as we look up each passage, watch for words that have to do with creating, making, or anything that designates God as the creator. So we're going to be reading these passages, but we're not going to be dwelling too much on You know, the full, we're going to be looking at them in context, but we're not going to be discussing their full meaning because they reference other events that we haven't started talking about yet. We're going to be looking for their specific references to creating, making, or anything that designates God as the creator. And so the first passage we're going to be looking up is Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. So, I will pull up my Version Bible app here. And so, read. Click on the book name. We will go to the book of Genesis, chapter 6 and verse 6. Okay. Now, reading out of the New International Version, it says, The Lord, or Yahweh, regretted that He had made human beings on the earth. So, there's the first reference to made. And it, um, it is the first reference to made that we're looking up here. And it's that Yahweh regretting that he made man on the earth. He was, um, and his heart was deeply troubled. So Yahweh said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. So, we see here that God regrets making human beings. He's grieved in heart. Um, And when you look that up, he's grieved with heart and he's so filled with pain. So, he says that he's going to destroy, to annihilate, exterminate, wipe out, blot out, destroy all the people and all the animals. And... That's the thing, um, I won't focus on this too much because, again, we've got other things that we're looking at here, but a lot of people make the assumption that, or even if they don't make the assumption, when they see Noah's flood playing out in their head, sometimes I think people look at it, especially unbelievers, as God relishing, uh, watching as his creation begs for mercy as they're drowning during Noah's flood. And that's not at all the picture that the Bible gives, especially when you look up the, the, um, the Hebrew of that, he's grieved in heart and it says he's filled with pain. And he's heartbroken over this. This isn't something that God wants to do when he destroyed the population of the earth at Noah's flood. This isn't something that he relished doing. It was something that had to be done because of how wicked and terrible and beyond hope and beyond all reason that the human race had gotten. It was literally the only choice left. And, um,. You know, and that's how I try to look at it when I read it. I try to think of it through the eyes of God and how he actually describes it. And, you know, Jesus standing there with tears in his eyes, grieving uncontrollably, or not uncontrollably, because God is always in control, but deeply grieving, I guess I could say, um... Just with such despair over the fact that he's having to basically wipe out almost his entire creation. The people and the animals. It's, it's a really sad thing to think about, but it had to be done. It was a necessary but extremely sorrowful time. And um, next one we're going to look up is Genesis chapter 7. Ooh, and I clicked on the wrong one. Chapter 7 and verse 4. And I got a message I need to be looking at, so if you'll excuse me for one second. Okay, I'm back. <clears throat> as I cough and make noises. Okay, Genesis uh, 7 4. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 4, which I happen to just have up on the phone, so how about that? Um. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth, God said, referring to the flood again, for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. So again, God says he's going to destroy, blot out, wipe away, wipe off every living substance he created. He, Except for Noah, his three children his wife and his son's three wives and the animals that God told Noah to put on the ark, everything else was to be wiped out. All living substance wiped out. Um, But here, focusing on the creation part of it again, we see here that God has made every living creature. God is responsible. He is the source of every living creature. Since that is our focus right now in Genesis 2. And that is still true today. He is the source of our being. Now, the next one we're going to look at is Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah for the next few passages. Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 21 through 28. And we're also, along with the creation, we're going to notice the time phrase in verse 21. So, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21. We're going to be looking for the speaking about creation and the time phrase here. God says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it been? Not, has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? So there's two things right there in reference to time. It has been told from the beginning, and it has been understood since the earth was founded. What is it, what has been understood since the earth was founded? What has been told from the beginning? It's this what follows, starting in verse twenty-two. He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. The earth is a circle. It's not flat. It says so right there in Isaiah 40, 22. And its people are like grasshoppers. All of this has been understood from the beginning. Even people who deny it. In the deepest part of their being, they understand it. And that's why all will be held accountable. And Romans 1 says, none are without excuse. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. Hmm, that sounds like that water vapor vapor canopy theory that uh, I talked about in in the pre-flood world. And spreads the heavens out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught, and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, God says, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Absolutely, no one is your equal God. Absolutely, no one. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Obviously, we know the answer to that because we've been reading Genesis 1 and 2. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. And we've read that before, too, about how God... You know, there's one quintillion stars in the universe that we know of. And God knows them all by number and by name. That's just a drop in the ocean of his endless knowledge. And if that doesn't make you want to worship God, I don't know what does. But he's just so amazing. He's so beyond capable expression in our finite bodies and minds. It's just, it's wonderfully amazing. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them, those stars, is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? That's, Referring to Israel. Why do you say, why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord or Yahweh? My cause is disregarded by my God or Elohim. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh or the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. Let that be a source of comfort to you today. Your way is not hidden from the Lord. Your cause has not been disregarded by God. If you're truly seeking after him, if you truly have him as the central focus of your life, if he is your number one priority, by which you govern all your other priorities, Then you have not been disregarded by God. Your way is not hidden from the Lord. He is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. We do. How many, oh, well, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm just, I've got so much to do. Well, God is not tired or weary. And His understanding, no one can fathom. That's why it's so... I, I just, sometimes I just want to worship God and just r- do it in a way that would be encompassing enough of how great He is. But His understanding no one can fathom. It's, I mean, if He can name the one quillion, one quintillion stars by name and number, if He knows them that way, we don't, uh, His understanding truly is unfathomable. But that just makes him all the more worthy of worship. Now, Isaiah chapter 45, verses 11 and 12 is our next one. Isaiah 45, 11 and 12. This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its Maker. Concerning things to come. So, we see another reference to maker there. The Holy One of Israel and its maker. So, we see here that God is the creator of Israel. And I've heard, I've heard Pastor John Hagee say this more times than I can count, that Israel is the only nation that has ever been created by a sovereign act of God. All of the countries have, been, have come about via different geopolitical circumstances, wars, um, things like that, uh, wars for independence, wars to oppress people, um, wars over certain natural resources or ideologies or just political upheavals and changes. Every nation on earth has been come about by this means, but Israel is the only nation that was created directly and exclusively as a sovereign act of God without any Human input, basically. And so we see that as you know and so Yahweh, our God, the God of the Bible, is Israel's maker. And he says, concerning things to come, do you question me about my children? I'm referring to the Israelites here. Do you question God about Israel? You shouldn't. He has an everlasting covenant with them that is still in effect to this day. Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. So you don't have a right to question God about Israel, God's creation, or anything regarding the earth or the heavens. uh, You have a right to question. You don't have a right to doubt. (laughs) It's not recommended because God has made all these things. Now we're going to look at two more Isaiah passages. It's going to be um, Isaiah chapter 51. Verses 12 and 13. Let me look at my notes here real quick. Okay, Isaiah chapter 51, verses 12 and 13. And here it says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Again, referring to God here. Who are you that you fear mere mortals? Human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your Maker, Who stretches out the heavens, and who lays the foundations of the earth? That you may live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor, who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? I was going into verse thirteen, but God is basically saying here, "Look, I'm your comforter, so you don't have to fear mere mortals," and this is very applicable to today's time. Are, are you afraid of what the government could do to you if you disobey uh, a, a, an executive order or some guideline that hasn't been passed by law that says uh, you have to stay home forever and a day, you have to stay home indefinitely, you can't go here or do that? Why do you fear mere mortals? Why do you fear reprisals from human beings, in other words? Human beings are but grass. Let us not let the fear of man cause us to forget our maker, who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth. that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor. There is oppression going on in our world directly right at this very very moment as I speak and it's been more global at the same time than it ever has been. But we don't need to live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor, the oppressor who has been on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? I'm going to go ahead and read verse 14. I'm going to keep reading that just because it's so inspiring to me. The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name, or El Shaddai. I have put words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, you are my people. That is the God who we can depend on and look to in times of oppression. Man, I love that. I think I'm going to share that just because I liked it so much. Okay, now the next passage we're going to look up is Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. So, let me go up here. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. (laughs) I love that picture. Just imagine that. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where will be where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? There's another reference to made God making all these things. All all things were hand made, and so they came into being. Declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor; those who are humble and contrite in spirit. You want to know who God favors? You want to know whose side God is on? The ones that I, the one that he looks on with favor are those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. Do you tremble at his word? Now we're going to look at a couple of New Testament passages, beginning with Romans, chapter four. And verse seventeen it's romans four seventeen, and here it says, "As it is written, "I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God in whom he believed. This is referring to Abraham. The God who gives life to the dead." And calls into being things that were not. So, how is God described here? God is described as the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into being that were not. So, God created, again, this reinforces the idea that God created the universe out of nothing. In Genesis one, because he's talking about how he made things out of nothing, he created them ex nihilo. God is the cause, but he created all things out of nothing. No. Hebrews 11, 3. And here it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So, the universe was formed at God's command. In other words, He spoke it, and there it was. And we saw also last week, I think it was last week, might have been the week before, but I think it was last week, that the heavens speak, they communicate, but they don't communicate verbally. But God used the spoken word to create everything, so that what is seen was not made out of what is invisible, was not made out of what is visible. So, visible things made out of invisible things that we can't see. Gee, that almost sounds scientific, doesn't it? The visible made from the invisible. How about that? Okay. So now we're going to look at some other passages about God and creation. And the passages that demonstrate God's sovereignty over all. And as we look these up, I want you to pay attention to the setting and the occasion of God's word in each passage. And these can become such a blessing to you personally if you'll take them to heart. Um, So, the, the first one that we're going to look at is Psalm 33, verses 6 through 15. This is Psalm, as soon as I can find it, Psalm 33, beginning in verse 6 and going to verse 15, so the end of the psalm. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Hi, Ginger. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. Again, this would be Israel. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all and considers everything they do. So we see here that the heavens are made by God's word. The starry host were made by his breath. As he spoke them into existence, he literally breathed them out. I heard Jesse DePlanis one say say one time, he blew his nose and there popped out a galaxy. <laughs> it just came to me. I remember Jesse saying that one time and it made me laugh. But uh, <laughs> he gathers seeds into jars uh, deep into storehouses. He spoke spoke commands and things came to be and stood firm. Um, He watches from heaven. He sees sees everyone, considers everything we do, and formed our hearts. It's a summary of that passage. (laughs) He blew his nose and I popped a galaxy. Hi, Ginger. There's no food up here. Just give me a minute, okay? (laughs) We're almost done here, all right? I'm on the last set of passages, and then I have a little conclusion to do, and then uh, we'll be done, and I'll get you some more cat food, okay? Okay? Okay, Ginger? (laughs) Alright, but I need you to get off my notes so I can see what I'm doing, okay? And give you kisses, okay? I tell you what, you're not going to let me finish this until I get you food, are you? Okay, I don't blame you. Hang on one minute, let me do this, I'll be right back. Okay, I got the food and water. They should be happy for now. So, um, now we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 17 through 27. Again, that's Jeremiah, chapter 32, verses 17 through 27. And here it says, Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And, um... So that's what we see there, that God has made the heavens and the earth by his outstretched arm, and that he is sovereign over it. Nothing is too hard for you. Remember that. Nothing is ever too hard for a God. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. This is what we call generational curses. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, or again the El Shaddai phrase, great are your purposes, and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. That's absolutely correct. For those who die in their sins, they will get the due wages for their sin for eternity. And even those of us who are saved and have had their sins forgiven will give an account for our lives at the judgment seat of Christ where we, where we will receive reward or suffer loss because of those. So, great are your purposes, mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and they took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. This is a good lesson for every country on earth, even to this day. God has brought, especially here in America, which was founded on a covenant with God. And he gave us this land. He, sw- he swore it to our forefathers, and it is a rich land, as they said, flowing with milk and honey. Well, we're flowing with all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and they came in and took possession of it, but they did, but they did not obey you, follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. So you brought all this disaster on them. And then it says in verse 24, he's referring to a time when the Babylonians were getting ready to, ta- to attack uh, Israel, or uh, Judah. And he says, see how the siege ramps are built up to take the city? Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver, and and have the transaction witnessed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. So, is anything too hard for me? So God is the God of the entire universe, yes, the the Israelites, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, forever and always shall be God's special chosen people set apart for his purposes. But God is the God of the entire earth, and all people are created by him and belong to him. Well, they don't belong to him. Um, We're all his creatures. We're not his children until we accept Christ. That includes the Jewish people, by the way. But that's another lesson or thing for another time. Now we're going to look at Isaiah, going back to Isaiah again, chapter 37, verses 14 through 20. Isaiah chapter 37, verses 14 through 20. And here it says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. So, you know, God is enthroned between cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. So don't, you know, I want to say this too. Don't get distressed. Don't, you know, yes, we need to pay attention to what's going on. But don't. But when you're reading the news, when you're reading headlines, try not to get overly distressed. Be well informed because we're called to be. Be knowledgeable because we're supposed to be. But, don't let it bother you when things seem like they're going out of control or going bad. Even if things are going bad, we have to remember that God is over all the kingdoms of the earth. He made heaven and earth. So give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, Deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. I love that. I love the prophets. But the point there, tying this back to the creation, is is that God is the creator over all, and he is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth as their creator. And now we're going to look at Acts, chapter seventeen, verses twenty, verses twenty-two through twenty-six. It says here that Paul then stood up in the meeting, uh, in the in the Areopagus. And said, people of Athens. So now we know who Paul is speaking to. And I also want you to pay attention to how he approaches them. He says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, he said to them. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history, and the boundaries of their lands. So we see here that at the Areopagus meeting in Athens, Greece, uh, Paul came across a people that were very religious and had many idols. And... There was a, a, a place there to to the worship of the unknown god, so Paul approaches them straightforward. He doesn't water anything down. He doesn't say, "Oh, let me uh, invite you to a barbecue and, and maybe I can establish a non confrontational relationship with you." No, he he goes straight at them. He goes right to them. He's very straightforward. He doesn't water anything down. He does it in love because he cares about them. That's the only reason he does any any of this. When Paul was going around on these missionary journeys trying to convert the world for Christ, it was, it was out of love. It was because he cared about them and he didn't want to see them suffer eternally in hell. He did it in love, but he was strong. The, it talked about how the world and the, the heavens and the earth were, were not made by God's made with human hands, made by idols that need to be served by people who make sacrifices to them, like uh, you know, food sacrifices, wine sacrifices, human sacrifices, whatever. Paul was making an appeal to shake them from their ignorance. God doesn't dwell in temples built with human hands. We are the temple of God now in the New Testament times. And God has formed us in our mother's womb. He needs nothing from us to be who He is. He gives life to all. The last passage I want to look up before I do a little conclusion here is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verses 8 through 12. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip down to verses 8 through 12. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, the Jewish people, through the prophets as many at many times and in various ways. It's part of what we've been reading today, some of the prophets that God spoke through. But in these last days, meaning the days between, in particular, you know, usually this term last days is referring to the days leading up to the return of Christ or the tribulation that follows and all that, and and then the second coming. But there's only two places in the Bible where the term last days has a broader meaning, and this is one of them. In this particular passage, last days is referring to the days, the age of, basically the church age, the days between the first and second comings of Christ. He has spoken to us by his Son, "...whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe." So again, we see how the universe was made. We made a big point of this the first week of this study. How was the universe was made? It was made through Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And now going down to verse 8. About the Son, God says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. That's an important thing, and that's something that should be true of all believers too, because we're supposed to be like Christ. We are to love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. So again, we see this repeated, that we've been seeing all this time throughout all this study. Is that God laid the foundations of the earth, or the ground, And the heavens are the works of his hands. The heavens are God's handiwork. They testify to the glory of God. We saw that in Psalm 19. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. We see this now in some of the prophets. And now we're seeing it here in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. God is the sovereign creator of the universe who made all of this as a testimony to who and what he is. Praise be his holy name. They w- they will perish, meaning the heavens and the earth, but he will remain. It says you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. So the heavens and the earth as they are now will be changed. This heavens and the earth as we see them now will not always be this way. They will be changed, but you, God, will remain the same. And your years will never end. I love that. God is so awesome. uh, Eventually, you ran out of words to describe him. He's just... Uh, I love worshiping our Lord. So as we conclude here, next week uh, we will take an even closer look at Genesis 2. It's like, remember, in uh, the first week we looked at a kind of an overview of Genesis 1. And then the second week we kind of zoomed in on Genesis 1 and took a closer look at it. Well, this week has been kind of an overview of Genesis 2. And next week we're going to zoom in on Genesis 2 like we did on Genesis 1. And we're going to look specifically at the creation account of men and women and what, the Lord, and what the Lord God says about the relationship between the man and the woman. God is a God of action. Surely that is clear now from the, from the first words of the Bible and from everything else we've studied. He is not a God who is far off. But He is a God who is near. He is involved. And He cares about the ones He's made in His image. He cares about you. Because of His love and His concern for His creation, He never sleeps or slumbers, the Bible says. He's always there. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's our sustainer as well as our creator. The Bible says that God is our very present help in the time of trouble. The one whose ear is open to all who cry to him. If you want his ear to be open to you, all you have to do is cry out to him. If by His word He created the heavens and the earth, then is anything too difficult or impossible for Him? No, it is not. Nothing is too difficult or impossible for God. Because by His word He created the entire universe, visible and invisible. He is God, Abba Father, to all who come to Him through His Son. Jesus Christ. So, please think upon these things. And ask yourself why people have such a hard time taking God at his word, believing what he says regarding the creation of this world and all that's in it. I think, you know, well, that's a good question to ask as we end this. Why do people have such a hard time taking God at His word? It's not due to lack of evidence. The evidence of His creation is all around us. Our founders would have said that all of this is self-evident. It's not a lack of evidence. It's not... Not that God hasn't provided enough proof of his existence. That's why he doesn't seek to prove his existence. Because he's made the creation the most obvious evidence of it. Why do people have such a hard time? I think it's because of willful ignorance, as Second Peter chapter 3 says. It is by willful ignorance that people are unaware of all that our God is. It is by sheer ignorance, willful ignorance, not because there's not enough evidence, but because they choose not to believe. They don't want to believe it. So they come up with other theories. They come up with atheism. They come up with other false religions. They come up with their own ideas, their syncretistic ideas Of to explain life and our origins and our destinations and all that. They come up with all that because at the core, people love their sin. This is what John 3 says. The people love their sin and that's why. It's not due to a lack of evidence. The reason why people have such a hard time accepting the creation account as opposed to evolution or any other theory is because if they accept the creation account then by definition that makes them accountable to that creator and they don't want that. Um, I'm trying to look this up in particular. This this reference to John that I I wanted to, I'm going to read this as we close here. John chapter three, beginning in the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. you want to know why people have a hard time believing what God says regarding the creation of the world and all that's in it? It's because light has come into the world, Genesis 1-3, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20 of John 3, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That's another reason people don't want to come into the light, because their deeds will be exposed. They're like little cockroaches that run and hide when the light comes on. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That is what it's all about there. That is why people have such a hard time. The Father loves the Son, verse 35, and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son, again Jesus Christ, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Please believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Trust in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. If not, God's wrath remains on you. I don't know how much more time we have before the Lord returns, but I do know that even if it is another few decades off, and I don't think it is, but even if it is, the end of the world, so to speak, comes for every one of us when we die. And you're not even guaranteed your next breath or heartbeat. An aneurysm could take you out like that. Please believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Put your trust solely in Him alone and in nothing else for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you very much. This has been a great experience uh going through lesson three of this we're going to finish the next lesson of genesis one and two tomorrow um god bless you love you all talk to you soon bye for now